welcome to another edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. We've got a very special edition today, because I'll be interviewing one of my old oldest friends, and uh, yeah, he is the C uh, CMO and Managing Director of Acronym Media. He is also the former uh, Group Director of Search Engine Strategies, Clixie, Search Engine Watch. Uh, he's been around since the start of the uh, search industry began. He mm. is none other than Mike Green. Yay, Mike! <laughs> Actually, I was talking to somebody uh, just uh, this week about how long I've been in the industry. There was two interesting things came out of it. But the most important one was I came online. Now, I said something about being in the, you know, being a part of the most modern industry in the world, mm -hmm. and then said, I've been online for 25 years, and I went, actually, I don't know if modern industry in quarter of a century actually <laughs> go together in the same sentence. That's very but good But yes, I've been around for 100 years. Danny, good to see you again. It is great to see Cheers. you. Cheers. Here we are in a different backyard with uh, cheap beer, but that's fine. Absolutely. I can, I can live with it. Now, for everybody who's watching this, uh, we've sort of got a special two-part of Swords interview. We have this part where we're in lovely downtown Atlanta, and then we'll be switching in a few moments to do the second half of the interview, which was actually done before the first part due to some technical uh, difficulties uh, in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, it's kind of a two-part. We do get around. We, we get around. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's anyway, get, let's very cool t-shirt. Oh, like yes. That. Yes, this is a lovely Search Engine Journal special t-shirt. Uh, and of course, you have the lovely. Oh yes, absolutely. They so supply me all over this time. Totally representing search today, um, as we should be. Absolutely. All right. So let's get what started. What you got? So um, this part of the interview, we wanted to start with actually reader questions because we had so many, uh, so many good ones for you. First one we wanted to start with. Uh, Olga from Chianti had a great question for you. Uh, which marketing tactics and efforts have proven to be the most impactful and brought the biggest growth to acronym over the past 12 months? Wow. Uh, the short answer to that is the ones that worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, so we're in kind of a strange situation with acronym uh, in the sense that we're very, very fortunate having been around for such a long time. I mean, we've been around for over 20 years. So within the search industry, we're very well recognized. The brand is well known. Yep. That doesn't mean to say that we don't have to try. But uh, as the industry changes, we have to kind of adjust our own profile uh, to go with that. So we're going through um, some changes uh, with the brand, broadening out the range of services and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of running our marketing on the back burner um, with uh, a, a new plan to uh, launch some new services, some new technology uh, when we get into uh, 2020. Um, but I would say more than anything else that, um, you know, the things that do work for us is we're very good in verticals. And I like the, the way that we build up huge expertise in certain areas. And you think that would create a lot of competition. Actually, it does the other thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So in the uh, hospitality area in uh, hotels, um, and hospitality, uh, we do uh, really well. We have a team, a full team, uh, run by the people that run that team um, actually could be working on the client's team. That's how close we work. They know the industry inside out. And that's a really, really cutthroat industry with the online travel agencies, the Absolutely. OTAs, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So you really have to know your stuff um, uh, in, in terms of doing that. So we've built up a really good um, uh, kind of uh, team working specifically in that. So once you get known in a vertical, um, then we certainly get a, a lot of RFPs coming in because of uh, people can see the, the experience that we have there. Um, I, I think on the, um, on the other side, we, 
we also spend a lot of money developing our technology. So being able to talk to potential clients and explain to them how we can um, scale the operation. Right. That's what the technology is developed for. And we've become very good at that. So um, I, you know, I don't know that there's anything that we do that nobody else does better. But I think in terms of being able to be regarded as, as experts, um, that said, uh, most, of, most of what we do comes from referrals. So, you know, right. so, so I would say the best tactic is get good clients. And if you do a great job, you'll get more good clients. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you have a beautiful office. I was lucky enough to visit you a couple of times there, right? Yeah. On, what was it, 64th? 65th. 65th yeah. floor of the Empire State Building. It's just Live amazing. on 65. And live on 65. You did a few uh, interviews uh, yep. up there as well uh, that definitely you should check out if you've never seen them. Anybody watching, if you're in town, drop me a note, come up and check it out. Absolutely. Uh, you've had some great interviews. I was actually, not too long ago, watching your uh, old interview with Danny Sullivan. Oh, yeah. It was just a great, great interview. Um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's interesting because Danny and I, given that I've just said how long I've been around, um, you know, when Danny and I first met, I guess it was probably around about 1999, mm -hmm. he had just launched um, Search Engine Watch, I think. Then it was uh, previously Webmaster's Guide right. to Search Engines, yep. and uh, mm -hmm. he had just launched it. So uh, I, there was kind of Danny, and um, I was talking about this recently, trying to figure out who are the people who were around at the time, because there was no industry called search engine optimization there right. was a lot of guys messing around with search engines right. and Danny used to call it search engine tune-ups that he was doing you know mm -hmm. so Danny was around I think um, I mentioned the other day um, I think certainly Bruce Clay was around that's for sure mm -hmm. um, I think Greg Bowser was around absolutely Bill Hunt was there yep. some of the names sure. um, and, and uh, all of the guys that were in that kind of uh, initial group are all still around, you know. Absolutely, yep. Excellent. Okay, so let's move on to our second audience question. Roger Monty of Martini Buster and a search engine journal news Martini writer. Martini Buster. Roger, hey. All right, Roger. All right. Roger wanted to ask you, do you find that ranking for Google today is significantly more complex, or is it just different? Um, oh, well, hello again, uh, Roger. Uh, Martini Buster, Roger... Um, he was really big in link building back in the day, oh, I remember, yeah. and uh, looked at a lot of the stuff that I was doing. So we met each other, well, I don't know, 2002, three or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, so what we were doing then, I mean, the, the sport then was just like, how do you get a better rank than the other guy? Mm -hmm. um, it was fairly basic when you were looking at from an information retrieval point of view, uh, on-page stuff and that kind of thing. Um, I think that ranking is not the word that we should use. I do think that visibility mm. has become more of a point. So it is kind of ranking, but it is different. Right. So in terms of uh, visibility, if you take a look at what Google and other search engines do now, there isn't just an index. It's a tiered index. Yeah. Uh, and they take in all of these things into account. So there was on page, there was linking. Uh, but, uh, you know, these devices, this thing has changed it completely. So mm -hmm. when you take into account context, yep. then look at the tiered index which, start, which starts geographically and those kind of things. So mm -hmm. the major difference now is it's not so much about the actual content itself, it's more about who you are, where you are, what time of day it is, what your previous All search about history context. is. context. Exactly, yep. it's the context. Yeah, absolutely, all right. Great answer. Uh, next one, Andy Betts, our old friend, Andy wow, Betts. Wow, Andy. Andy. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. He'll be probably in the Pyrenees or something. He's always somewhere <laughs> traveling around the world. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So, Andy had this awesome question for you. If you had to choose a song that sums up the state of search at the moment, what would it be? Oh. Uh, 
state of search at the moment. Um, under pressure. Mm. Not, 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 not essentially in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's just I heard it on the radio earlier on <laughs> and it's stuck in there. Yep. But actually it is particularly good. I think um, in the terms of uh, the way that the industry is changing, it is still rapidly changing. I think artificial intelligence, machine learning, not just saying that for effect, it has definitely changed the speed in which um, everybody moves, the way that uh, search engines uh, use their technology. So I think we are kind of under pressure just a little bit um, to feed the beast as mm-hmm. well, because obviously when you're looking at uh, in the olden days when you'd create a website and hope you rank for something and go and check a month later, mm-hmm. now particularly, particularly, uh, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about it later on, I look at the, all of this unstructured data, which are all of these websites, mm-hmm. and now the opportunity that we have with Schema to feed this structured data. And what that means is there are bits of a website, parts of a service that you can provide to the end user, which you could really do in real time, right. virtually in real time now. Yeah. So I think we're in, under pressure to to serve up the right content at the right time. There's nothing that stops us from doing that now, you know? Absolutely. And of course, if we're on the queen side of things I always have to think of. I want it all for <laughs> every yeah, company. that would be you. They yeah, want it yeah. all. Well, that's they it, want yeah. all the rankings. They want all the traffic. They With want the all kindest the kindest <laughs> and the, all of the love and kindness in the world to our clients. Yep. That's usually the request. Yep. Yeah, I yep. want it all. I want it all and I want it now. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, our final reader question. Uh, Jenny Hallis of JLH Marketing. Oh, hey, Jenny. Jenny and I used to work together. I know. Yeah, she used to work at Acronym, both, uh, right? Yeah, Kirk? at Acronym and at... Um, at um, Think Partnership and whatever it was called before that, I can't mm. remember. Um, awesome. Top ranking, high ranking. Um, uh, no, yeah, she's probably falling around laughing. I can't, re- <laughs> I can't remember where I used to work in North Carolina. Anyway. <laughs> yes, so Jenny had a great question, a little long, but just bear with me. You wrote a paper a long time ago about how we were moving away from Tenbo links and predicted that the HTML standard and WWW would not continue to be able to support the increasing quantity of rich media. Do you still think HTML is outdated tech? And if so, what do you predict will replace it? And if not, what changed your mind? Okay. Well, well done in remembering all of that. That's uh, deep. I, I, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 uh, deep cut. and certainly Jenny and I over the years, we've had some of these kind of very intense conversations uh, because she gets the technical side, obviously. Um, You know, it's a bigger picture thing than just looking at HTML. I mean, HTML5 changed a lot of things, but it was still the fabric that makes the web. Given what I've just said about structured data, the ability to be able to do that, now we can feed all kinds of things to make uh, people, uh, to to make a search engine aware of uh, things, not strings, you know, entities and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, video plays a much greater role now. Um, I don't know that uh, the web is going to end anytime soon, Mm. but I think perhaps in terms of uh, the fundamental thing that I was saying is that Google wants to bring the world's information together uh, and make it easily accessible or or whatever it was that they they stole from Vannevar Bush. Um, uh, And no, HTML was never going to be the way to do all of that. Given that we go back to this again, we spend about 60% of our time using apps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the uh, broader use of the internet for the app uh, economy has probably changed things. 
so I, I, I mean, I was kind of right. You can't do everything with HTML, mm -hmm. but we don't really need to do that. Now, like I say, this, this thing is receiving signals from everywhere. I mean, the strongest signal that a search engine is getting at this point in time is from this. It's GPS. Yep. You know, that has nothing to do with HTML. Right. So. Mm -hmm. I kind of hope that answers some of it, uh, Jenny, but it's a great opportunity for us to uh, pick up from where I left off and continue the conversation. Absolutely. So that does it for our reader questions. There was one other thing I wanted to uh, ask you about because uh, it wasn't really much of a story when we first were chatting in the second part, which was going to which is the first part, which is the first part, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> exactly. We have that one of those uh, Back to the Future sort of situations, but um, there's been a lot of growing talk lately about you know, more regulation of Google, uh, possibly breaking up Google. I was curious for your thoughts um, just generally about, um, you know, do you, th do you see that as a possibility? And if so, how do you, th how do you possibly see that impacting the work of marketers uh, over, you know, the coming few years, if that does come to be? Yeah. I mean, there are kind of two parts to this, really. Um, you know, I listened to uh, Elizabeth Warren talking about breaking up uh, the, the major tech companies. There's a lot of calls to do that mm -hmm. without a great deal of understanding of what it is they're actually doing, right. how they're doing it, you know? Yeah. So I think a, a greater understanding would be better. Uh, some of the complaints that you hear now, Elizabeth Warren talking about, and even there was a story in Wall Street Journal just uh, this week, actually, talking about, uh, you know, some uh, engineers have let loose that uh, they've been told to, to show more uh, Amazon products right. in the listings and mm -hmm. the complaint that people have had about Google showing their own stuff and, yep. you know, putting their own products first. I, you know, I kind of think it's a bit crazy because the, the way that industry and commerce works now is entirely different to the way that it did before we had the internet and the World Wide Web. Right. So you can't just keep bringing in the old rules because it looks like somebody's beating you. It's not that they have more tools, better tools. Mm -hmm. You know, Google is a website, right? If you want to beat Google, build a better website. Google yep. crawls the web. You yep. want to beat Google, build a better crawler. They actually do have their competitors. People don't realize right. that. Facebook has competitors, you yep. know. Um, uh, Amazon has competitors as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the principle of should we break them up because they're selling their own stuff? You walk into any major supermarket in the U.S., I guarantee, right there on the shelves at Walmart and anywhere else, right next to the major brands, the ones that you know from TV, is Walmart's own brand, you know. Yeah. All of the supermarkets have their own brand. What? They have the audacity to sell their own stuff in their own supermarket. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? Google has the audacity to sell its own stuff on its own website. Mm -hmm. Amazon Shocking. has the audacity to sell its own stuff on its own website. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, they do have the power, but if you go and take a look, um, philosophically and otherwise, forget just looking at the financial side, what it is all of these companies bring to our lives in terms of, uh, you know, ease of use and, you know, all of the kind of, um, you know, the, the aspects of the way that they've changed, the way that we shop, the way that consumer behavior, not the psychology, but the behavior mm -hmm. has changed, the way that they make it much easier to do things. I mean, I'm an Amazon Prime customer. I have been with Amazon for 20 years. I don't have any complaints about Amazon. Right. Just carry on doing what you're doing, guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand they know more about me than my doctor does, but right. I'm quite happy to, to let that happen because, uh, you know, here's a here's a, a thing that I've talked about. I know this is a, a, a long answer, um, but if you put your trust 
in these companies, it's hard to do that because of data breaches and those kind of things. Yep. So I think that's one area that the regulations that do have to be in place have to be about protecting me as an individual, mm -hmm. you know, privacy. At the same time, we're adults, we're in charge of our own uh, lives, you know, so act like a digital adult. If you don't want anybody to have your data, don't give them it, you know, and if right. you think the World Wide Web is a place where that happens, don't go on the World Wide Web, right. you know, yep. just use some kind of uh, common sense. But I see what's happening with uh, Amazon now, particularly with machine learning. Um, and we'll save this for a longer conversation another time. But what their model is at the moment is is shopping to shipping. Mm -hmm. Okay, people go shopping at Amazon. That's the place you do the comparison stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what they're noted for. They know all about your history. They actually recommend things for you mm -hmm. because they know who you are, okay? Yep. And they know you so well that you're going to see a shift in the future where they go shipping to shopping the other way around. And mm. that's anticipating what you actually want, mm -hmm. not sending you shit you don't need, yep. but just understanding what you do need and sending it to you, right. you know, and kind of helping you think and make some decisions as you go along. So mm. as far as regulations go, do we need to break them up because they're so dominant? Everybody had the same chance that they did at the same time with yep. the same technology. The World Wide Web and the Internet belongs to everybody. Mm -hmm. So shut up and stop complaining <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's funny to look back on just how many search engines there were before google and uh, you know with the exception of yahoo which i don't know if that even barely qualifies I think of that anymore. Means yahoo was the first search yeah. engine yep. that was it yeah. you know yep. and before they realized themselves that they were never going to scale having human editors that there would have to be technology yeah. so google beat them in that sense yep. but they had the you know the same opportunity to do that going back to jenny's question before yeah. is html the way to do it there is still this pervasive myth, myth you know that google has access to the entire web google has access to a fraction a large fraction of the web yep. but the world wide web actually grows exponentially still yep. every single day so the the likelihood of google being able to bring in all of that content, keep it fresh yep. and keep crawling it. Even when that's super advanced technology, it doesn't allow to do that. They say, you know, they've had sight of, I don't know, X trillion URLs. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, the more they try to crawl them, we'll be dead before they get to the yeah, end. You exactly. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like chasing the universe. <laughs> exactly, that's expanding. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, excellent. Um, and there was one thing that uh, from the second part that we'll revisit here in the first part because I didn't get Who the chance to ask you about it. Who knows how this is going to come it. out. I know. No, we're blowing people's minds right now because we're referencing <laughs> stuff that hasn't happened yet, but it actually has happened. But we know in we the know. future. <laughs> so it's not a search question. It's more of a fun question because yeah. after we finished taping the first time, you mentioned that there was a, a funny story about how you met your wife. And I wanted to add that oh, if we man. could, if, yeah. if you're up for telling the little story. No, and... that's a long story. It's not that funny. It looks, I mean, she's been, you know, imprisoned for 20 years now I'm waiting for parole <laughs> I mean it was a great story because uh, the, the gist of it is that uh, we knew each other for a long time online mm -hmm. uh, and eventually met each other in uh, in Prague just as friends um, to, to check out the city she's a culture vulture um, she would just wanted to look at the architecture and check the place out yep. neither of us had been there before 
um, and after three days I proposed to her and wow. uh, and she said yes and uh, she's been regretting it ever since. So she <laughs> no, I've been very lucky. We'll save that one for another time. It's a beautiful story, but Absolutely. it is kind of a long one, you know. Fair enough. All right. Well, that does it for us for the first half of the conversation. So we're now going to go back in time and to another place, Fort Lauderdale, to continue the conversation with some, uh, some more interesting questions and answers. And Mike opens up a lot about... Uh, history with search engine watch and all incisive and just lots of great questions so uh keep listening and yeah. let's see how this one works well, out anyway and, cheers, well, Danny. and from here we're gonna are we allowed drinking? to man- are we allowed to mention that you uh, are in the witness protection act and you moved again that's why yes. i'm here oh i mean no we're not allowed to say that uh, <laughs> this but, guy know. this guy moves every two years, Every couple you, know, years. you know it's like yep. he says we're old friends i think he's trying to avoid me <laughs> he keeps finding me though <laughs> so, all right great we're going to keep drinking here. You go enjoy some more great conversation. And uh, thanks Actually, for watching. Bye for now. All right, we are back with Mike Green, still here in Fort Lauderdale, enjoying the sun and the 90-degree weather today. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, a little different than what you're used to up in New York, I'm sure, right this time of year, but... I hope you noticed I wrote the transcript for yes. you on my T-shirt. That was very helpful. That will be great with the YouTube transcription and the podcast transcription. So thank you for the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and on that subject... Yes, and on that subject. Um, so let's... So yeah, let's let's get into your incisive years because that was a topic near and dear to myself as well. Uh, just for was. background, for anyone who doesn't know, um, so I worked for Incisive Media starting in 2007, uh, and Incisive Media is the parent company of a couple companies or former parent company of Search Engine Watch and Clixi, and of course the former Search Engine Strategies, which later became uh, Clixi Live. So. What does it uh, sort of gauge? Um, wh- well, first of all, how did how did it come about that you took on that job, and what were you sort of thinking about the brands um, when you took that job? Like, where where did you see? Uh, what did you like about them? What you didn't like, and what sort of intrigued you about that role? So uh, yeah, I mean, I already had history with uh, Click Z, Search Engine Watch, and Search Engine Strategies because I came online so early I was like online in 1995 mm-hmm. uh, and these brands started around 1998 99 yep. so I was kind of I mean I guess one of the certainly one of the first contributors for search engine watch uh, when I met Danny Sullivan mm-hmm. back in the day and I mean Danny is like literally one of the, the greats in the uh, the industry you know yep. and he and I met back in the uh, in the 90s um, and I can't quite remember exactly how it is I, I remember yeah I do I got in touch with Danny because he had launched Search Engine Watch. He'd previously had a webmaster's guide to search engines. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. then he, uh, he launched Search Engine Watch. Um, and he started um, doing a newsletter, which was probably the first, yeah, yeah it was the first, uh, newsletter on, uh, on search, certainly on SEO. There was no paid search around at the time. Mm-hmm. Search Engine Report, and I think it came out once a month at first. Um, and I got in touch with them because, like, there was this like really important thing that was happening in search, and it was just going to blow his mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew about Danny, although we'd never even met before. And I called him, and I was talking about this thing, and I was like, 
I hope I'm not ringing too late at night or early in the morning, whatever it is with the time difference, because Danny's from California. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. I live in London. (laughs) 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 So that was kind of convenient. And he was, um, so, so what is it? What's the big news? I said, a judge is going to preside over a case where one company is suing the other one for using their brand terms in their meta tags. It was like, holy shit, this mm-hmm. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brand terms and the meta tags. Wow. And actually back then, that was like, it really was a, yeah. a kind of a big deal. So yep. uh, so Danny uh, reported on that and he and I got to know each other uh, very well. I was one of the earliest speakers, you know, when Search Engine Strategies was getting off the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, the SES story itself, when Danny started that, there were probably, uh, I guess, you know, 100 people at the first SES. It's 20 years this year, by the way, since the first uh, search engine strategies. Mm -hmm. Um, And as legend has it, you know, these uh, two young guys came in carrying a carton and (laughs) put it on the table because they were sponsored and opened the sponsors. They opened the carton and pulled out these T-shirts with the word Google. Ah. written on it <laughs> and everybody around us like best of luck with that guys whatever that is where's the guy from Alta Vista you know mm-hmm. um, so uh, so yeah so it was a smaller conference uh, but uh, you know by the time you know Google was on the ascent then search engine strategies was going with it they were major sponsors so from like kind of a hundred people in San Francisco 20 years ago by the time it got to 2005, there were six and seven thousand people at yep. a time turning up. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, so so uh, I'd had that kind of connection with Danny, with Search Engine Watch, uh, with Click Z back in mm-hmm. the day. Uh, Frederick Marchini, a great friend of mine, who was the founder of iProspect, who actually lives not too far from here. Mm-hmm. I can't disclose where it is, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you'll beat me up. Um, uh, but Frederick. Um, again, one of the pioneers in the industry. He was one of the first speakers and also one of the uh, first search contributors to uh, Click Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, I don't know whether it was when he sold uh, iProspect, uh, but at some point he dropped out from his column at Click Z and I picked that one up. So okay. again, I'd become a, a writer with Click Z. I was already writing with Search Engine Watch. Mm-hmm. I was a speaker at Search Engine Strategies, regular with all of the old team, you know? Yep. yep. Um, and, uh, you know, when Danny left Incisive Media, the, the, uh, pe- people did have a conversation with me. And I was, you know, it was very nice to have that conversation, but trying to explain, um, you know, there's only one Danny Sullivan, one Mike Green, and, uh, you know, much as we're both involved in search, entirely different things. Mm-hmm. He's the number one reporter in the industry. Right. And then I was like a practitioner, you know, and right. I was, you know, trying to uh, get my head around all of this technology and, I'd started on this journey with information retrieval and that kind of thing. So it just didn't uh, seem right. Um, And then a few years later, uh, Matt McGowan, who many people know, the the fabulous Matt McGowan, Mm -hmm. um, took on the role as uh, marketing director Mm -hmm. with uh, SES. And he and I were just talking one day and he's like, now is the time. Now is a great time, Mike, for you to come and take over. Mm -hmm. And I really, really wanted to look at content different types of content but huge amounts of content and look at how it was being indexed and look at how we could manage it at scale and of course click z search engine watch they were millions of pages back in the day right so so that's kind of how i took on the role i came on they created a new role i didn't take a job um i became the uh, group publishing director for both uh 
titles for Click Z for Search Engine Watch mm -hmm. and producer of uh, Search Engine Strategies Conference. And, and here's the interesting thing. So when I started, I had to get to know all of the team in the back room, as it were. Mm -hmm. Many of them knew. I, I, I did know. Um, but there was a copy editor who was like really cool, doing <laughs> some really good stuff, who I'd never heard of. His name was, and still is, Danny Goodwin. Last check of the story. Yeah, so. yeah mm -hmm. check your name, check your passport. You're still Danny Goodwin. He's not here in the Witness Protection Act or anything like it. Um, and that's how we first met yep. because yep. Um, I recognized, obviously, with some of the stuff that was coming in, some of the contributions, yep. you weren't copy editing. They, you were rewriting them, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it only made sense that, um, that uh, you know, when we eventually needed somebody to front uh, search engine watch and, and um, you know, actually become the editor, then, you know, you were the first choice. And what a great job you did, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of you. It's like yeah. one of my kids, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, after that, Jonathan Allen, mm -hmm. who I saw just recently, Johnny Allen, yep. came in. And you guys just kicked ass with uh, Search yep. Engine Watch back then. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it, uh, it really went to uh, kind of a, a different level. Yeah. So. It was kind of interesting, especially after hiring Jonathan, because, you know, I think you came on in the summer, and then he came on near the end of the year, and there was this whole period of... I don't know. There was this turnover. I won't say the names, but there were three people who were in charge of the brands at various times, and uh, it was just sort of... You can see it was sort of spiraling down in a way, and I definitely saw, like, once you came on and then Jonathan came on, it was, like, total other directions. Like, I, fi we finally had someone there who understood content, which was amazing, <laughs> you know? Because, like, you know, from the 2000... When I came on in 2007 until you came on, there was it was just sort of a website. It wasn't, like, doing anything remarkable, I thought. Um, did you I mean, sort of see that as a challenge? Like, you know, we were there, but we weren't really doing anything. I mean, that was the main reason for uh, for coming in, and it was about yeah. the challenge. Yeah. Um, it was almost like if the brand had sort of just declined, you know? It's like Kind of, sort of. You yeah. Know, it was a bit like, a you know, in a rowing boat with one oar, just kind of staying afloat and going yeah. around a bit. Yeah. But we ended up with a great team. Yep. Uh, I mean, the fabulous Laura Roth. Yes. When uh, Laura, phenomenal. Uh, who came on. Yep. I mean, she and I, it was a dream. I mean, just the greatest thing ever working with Laura because yep. she's one of those people. She just gets it. Yep. And she doesn't need to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. Shit just happens, yep. you know. It's yep. great. Mm -hmm. And she's doing really well with uh, Conductor and C3 now. Yep. I've been really lucky, you know, to meet some great and work with some great people. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great team we had there. Um, Dream you know, team. Especially, yeah, like starting around, and I don't even think people totally recognized it at first, but it's like, you know, we started really cooking around 2011, 2012. Attendance was going up, page views going up, revenue going up, all that good stuff. So, um, do you have a sort of a personal highlight from your your time at Incisive of like sort of like something that stands out as a like a wow moment of or just, you know just a general highlight of you know something you're super proud of from that um, time? I, I, th there's nothing specifically that I would say that was kind of like I'm proud of something that I did specifically, but okay. what the team did and working yeah. with the team mm -hmm. and being part of that. And I kind of had a bit of a vision of what I wanted to do and, and putting those pieces together and how to get there. It was just the great team, you know? Yep. Changing the way that things worked with SES. Laura was very responsible for mm -hmm. helping with that. You know, I mean, she came in working with Marilyn Crafts, who everybody will remember, uh, oh, you know, Marilyn, Marilyn yes. yeah. Yep. 
learned a lot uh, from doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably one of the first things when I came on board is uh, for the first time in so long, we did a refresh on ClickZ with the website. Yep. That was exciting. A yep. lot of work mm -hmm. went into that, you yep. know, with the team. And, and we were so proud because, shit, we started looking like a real publication, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a much more modern thing. Yep. Um, and then that was only beaten. Uh, and everybody, the entire incisive team was thrilled, if you remember, when we started working. And Jonathan absolutely led the whole charge, uh, mm -hmm. Jonathan Allen. Yep for the relaunch of the search engine website. Yep. website. Yep. And that, I mean, I can remember when everybody got the first views, everybody was blown away. Yep. And I loved the number of times that people said, it looks like a newspaper. And I was like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was good. Um, sort of, if you look back now, is there anything you think you would have changed about uh, any decisions you made over the years there or? Um, I don't know, just have any, not necessarily regrets, but just something you might... Regrets? I've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> but then but, again, too few to mention. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are little things that we did with the conference mm -hmm. that, that I thought, you know, I want to do this to, to differentiate it. Mm -hmm. But the, the good thing about that is that uh, Tim Weller, who was the the top boss, he's the founder of Incisive Media. Mm -hmm. When I came on into that role, he and I and Matt McGowan uh, had a meeting and uh, in that Tim, he's such a great guy, I mean, a super smart business guy. And he said to me, you know, let's try and do some new stuff. And if it fails, don't worry about it. Just right. don't do that again kind of thing. Yep. And then there was the other aspect, if we're gonna fail, fail fast and move on. Right. You know, I kind of learned some of that from Mike Moran as well, you know, who wrote that that book. Mm -hmm. So there were certain things that we did with the conference. I was like, oh my yep. God, yeah. that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but then, boom, we had something else to, um, and if we didn't do those things, if we didn't you know, have that trial and error, right. then we wouldn't know. I mean, we got to a point where there is so much input that comes from the audience. Mm -hmm. And even though we had three days and sometimes four to five tracks, there still wasn't enough time to get everything in. Right. So that was part of the problem, the yep. puzzle. It's yep. trying to please all of the people all of the time, which you certainly can't do, you know? Absolutely. Yep. All right. Let's talk about, uh, I think you were sort of alluding to this, the rebranding of uh, SES to ClickZ Live. Uh, the ClickZ Live thing, people yep. didn't quite get what was going on yeah, there. And I, and I never had a chance um, to, uh, to fully explain to... The, to the general audience yeah. what it was that was going on, although some people internally did. And there were some conflicts that were going on at the time. And, mm -hmm. and to be honest, I was thinking then, you know, I think maybe I've done whatever I'm going to do in five years here, so it's mm -hmm. done. Yep. But the whole idea of it was this, that search in itself, if you take a look now, even when we talk about search marketing, you take a look at search engine journal. Yep. I can just as much read uh, enough material about uh, social display, you know, the entire digital marketing industry really mm -hmm. has a place inside of Search Engine Journal, you know. Correct, yep. It's not just search anymore. Absolutely. All right, it's a legacy brand, so, yep. you know, it's SEJ, that you can make that sound whatever it is, Search yep. Engine Journal at the beginning, but now it's kind of about the digital marketing industry, right. you know. Yep. And certainly what was happening with uh, Search Engine Strategies with SES is that more people that came into the industry were not just focused on search. Mm -hmm. They were kind of the digital marketing manager or VP digital. Yep. So search was in there, you know, SEO and paid, 
But there again, so was like, you know, email and display and social as it was starting and those kind of things. Um, and they didn't want to go to six different conferences. Mm -hmm. So we started building that back in. Yep. And then being like, you know, I was there at the very beginning of search with Danny and a few other people, right. um, you know, wanting to keep the faith. I thought, here's a great idea. SES is starting to turn into Click Z. That's what it's beginning to look like. It's mm -hmm. beginning to look like Click Z Live. And what happens is maybe about a third of the content is about search now. Mm -hmm. And the pure search guys are not going to pay for a three-day pass to get one-third of the content. Right. Mm -hmm. So my idea was this, that we relaunch the conference as Click Z Live, mm -hmm. right, yep. for the general digital marketers. Yep. But what people don't know is in the background, I was actually in the back polishing up search engine strategies, mm -hmm. the original search engine conference, right. okay? Mm -hmm. And that was dedicated purely to uh, search marketers. Okay. And the other thing with that is I didn't want it to be just to try and repeat. I even took out the old search engine strategies logo, the right. whole thing, and said, this is it. Yep. But I want to put this one on the road and take it to people instead of people having to come to it. Gotcha. So we would go out to uh, Denver or, mm -hmm. or come to Fort Lauderdale yep. and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but just keep it, you know, keep the faith, keep it focused on search. Yep. So that's what I was trying to do then. Mm -hmm. Long answer to a short question, but there you are, the first time yep. I've answered it anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, that was what I was, I was very curious to know the thinking of it, so that it does clear it up. Because I know a lot of people ask, you know, ask me about why that all happened. And, no, I know, and I, yeah. like I say, it wasn't, it wasn't a sellout yep. that, you know, uh, Click Z Live, had I still been there, yep. would have still been the digital marketing conference. Ad Tech yep. was not doing as well at the time. Right. So it was kind of encroaching in that particular area. Yep. But it, it wasn't leaving search, you know, if I'd just been there that extra six months, mm -hmm. then people would have seen, wow, this is beautiful. Yeah. Search engine strategies, the original. Yep. Every time I say, I want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that that brand itself just had a lot of I, I, well, clout, that was, you know. That was where it all started. Yeah, that's right? where it all you started, know, yeah. so yeah. Makes total sense to me. Um, so I want to ask you about one thing that I was actually lucky enough to witness in person one year at SES San Francisco, which was the epic return of Matt Cutts. And I don't know how much we can go into the behind the scenes stuff there, but I was always curious to get the full story. Um, so basically what happened was, it had been a few years since Matt Cutts had shown up at an SES event. Um, I think we found out, at least I heard, we found out the night before that Matt's had, Matt had finally agreed to come. It had been a few years. I think you'd probably been working him for your whole time at the brand. Um, and he showed up. But he wasn't the only one who showed up. We also had a visit from none of the Dan, Danny Sullivan of our competitor at the time, Search Engine Land. So I was always curious just to know uh, what was going on behind this. If, you, if you're able to, can you talk a little bit about what was going well, on yeah, behind the scenes? Well, yeah, some of it. I mean, there was a... <laughs> heck of a lot going on yeah. behind the scenes yeah. with uh, Google because uh, Matt had been a regular at, uh, at SES, of course, and um, uh, when uh, Danny split and set, uh, set up SMX, and it's interesting, you know, you say Danny was a competitor. Mm -hmm. I, I've kind of, it's a philosophical change, but even now with the acronym, uh, and there is a reason for saying this, by the way, you know, when I'm talking about our own marketing, I very rarely ever say we're competing against this company. Mm -hmm. I talk about who we're competing for. Mm. And that's a, it's an entirely different thing. And it's not just philosophical either. It's, it's yeah. an audience out there who can have one or the other or both. 
Yep. It's not me against the other guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And yep. there was some of that when I joined SES. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's no big secret. There was kind of this public discourse that was going on. And even Danny and I, for the first time, had a little kind of a, a you know, a, a little tiff over that. But that was like, you know, it came and went yep. as, as, as these things do. Yep. Um, but with, uh, with Matt, it wasn't just... Um, was he not speaking at SES? Had he fallen out with us? Matt's role at Google was changing, mm-hmm. and he was very much the front man. And I can't go in too much to, you know, what was happening with sure. uh, Matt there, but yep. he wasn't able to get out to speak at every conference. Mm-hmm. And of course, he had, a, you know, uh, I'm so sad that he lost his wife. Yeah. But at the time, you know, you've got a family life. You've got your wife, and yeah. you can't be on the road seven days a week. Yep. So. Uh, I had been talking to uh, Matt for quite some time about him, you know, just supporting the San Francisco conference so mm-hmm. that he didn't have to travel too far, he didn't have to do too much. Yep. Uh, and I'm not saying this for effect, this is true. There were two occasions that he said, yes, I think it can do it, and for personal reasons, he couldn't do it. Yep. But the day that it did happen, mm-hmm. I knew before the night before, believe oh, me. Okay. We could only announce it the night before. Gotcha. That's the way that he and Google had left it. But okay. I knew a week before okay. uh, because I'd spoken to uh, Matt on the phone a few times. Um, and literally, he put it down and said these things. You know, the, you know, the, the planets align. Mm-hmm. This time, we can kind of do it. Yep. But part of the deal was... I'm pausing just for... Yeah, I can say part of the deal was, but don't use me as a guy to boost your numbers or right. you know that kind yep. of thing gotcha. so I said all right I agreed and yep. I, I think actually it was my idea we'll not make an announcement yep. until the night before and the people who are there will be the lucky ones yeah. who, who get to do it yep. so and that was kind of weird because we made the announcement the night before and then Danny turned up the next day I think he had to fly from England to, yeah. to, <laughs> to get to the event yeah and then of course because uh, Danny turned up and uh, Matt was there um, and I was getting on the stage with uh, just, you know, getting mic'd up with uh, Matt and we were talking. Mm-hmm. And he just said to me, just like out of the corner of his eye, he said, uh, wow, Brett Tabke mm. is here as well. I yep. said, yeah, you know, because Brett and I had a deal back then where I was really happy to uh, promote PubCon. Yep. Yeah. And he yeah. would come and speak at SES. It was a re- really cool deal that we had. Yeah. Um, and although Matt didn't say it, when we got up on stage and I knew that Danny was there, I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. So I brought Danny up, and then everybody was like, wow. But it was a spur of the moment when, because Brett didn't know anything about it. Right. And then Brett came on stage. Yep. And what a great moment it was, because even I was thinking, this is the first time in this industry that we've had PubCon, SMX, and SES all together sitting with Matt Cutts. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was was a a great moment for sure. I just know, like, from my end, because I, you know, obviously didn't know the background of all that, but, you know, it just felt like a real moment where it almost felt like Google had finally recognized all the great stuff that we had been doing for years at this point, and it's like, you know, finally, recognition, you know, because it felt like we were the underdog for so long, sort of like in the shadow of No, I think if you take a look, you know, um, Matt was very careful. Yep. Um, and he wasn't kind of taking size, sides, as it were. Sure. He might do PubCon, but then maybe he'll miss an SMX. Yep. He didn't do SES. Yep. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. Matt and I had a falling out, Matt Cutts and I, you know, because yep. I had a bad reputation as a black hat spamming guy back in the day, you sure. know. And 
I didn't know, like, I was, I just thought I was doing a great job for my clients right. all of the time, you know. Yeah. But, you know, he gave me the, the, the greatest interview. When I started my podcast, my original podcast, which was like 11 years, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. my first guest was Matt Cutts. Oh, wow. And we talked for... 45 minutes to an hour, mm -hmm. all right? That's the most that he did, and, and we just enjoyed it so much. He said, this was in Boston, by the way. It was at PubCon the first time they did Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and we hadn't finished speaking. Uh, you know, there was still so much to cover, as it were. So he finished that one off, and then before he left, he said, Mike, come to uh, Mountain View, and we'll do some more. So I flew to Mountain View the following week, and at Google, we uh, we did another one. So I ended up with, nice. like, 90 minutes or more of of some stuff and every now and again I go back and listen to that and I think some of the stuff we covered in that interview mm -hmm. is so relevant now mm -hmm. you know yep yeah that's awesome um, I guess the last thing I want to ask you about incisive um, was how you I guess how you left um, was it the fact that um, incisive was trying to like step in more and sort of dictate to you you know well, I, the big thing that came out, of course, was that they wanted to charge your speakers to actually speak. I know that caused an uproar. I don't know, is that related or was there some other uh, issues? On the, in the you back? know, it's difficult to... Uh, I have a, a, a really good relationship with uh, the guys at Incisive, but there were some things that were going on because mm -hmm. if you go and take a look at the Incisive portfolio, mm -hmm. okay, at that time it was all financial markets and risk management yeah. and you know, funds and, and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, the interactive piece that they called it was always kind of like, on the one hand, it was the redheaded stepchild. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, it was still that bright, shiny thing that that uh, Tim and everybody, you know, looked at on the table and they were going, it's fabulous. Yeah. I wonder what it does, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, so the, the company itself, it's no secret, uh, they were having some financial difficulties. Yep. So they were trying to uh, kind of, you know, get the entire organization um, on the same kind of uh, approach to doing uh, conferences. And in some uh, areas it worked where you could charge speakers and, yep. you know, you could be open about it. But that was not a cool thing at all with, no. uh, with uh, SES. And, and I, I say respectfully to them, they brought some people in who worked on other areas of the areas of the business that did cause friction yep. because I kept saying I understand that but that doesn't work here yeah okay and by the way this is not England it's America yep. and I even found myself saying if I hear one more English accent I'm going to open the window and push somebody out. <laughs> um, and I kind of uh, I could see not being the prophet of doom or anything yeah. what was going to happen and that uh, you know the click Z live thing had been kind of a baby, but it wasn't going to be launched in the way that I thought it would. And, yep. you know, best of luck to all of them. But it, it did come to a head one evening. Yep. Um, and, and I was just like, but I was going anyway. You know? Right. Yep. It was like, honestly, it wasn't really like I hit. It was like my work is done here. Whatever yeah. you have to do, guys. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you've done a lot at that point. And I still remember walking in. It was the very first day of the very new Click Z Live. I run into Melanie White. She's like, did you hear what happened last night? I'm like, no. <laughs> Mike quit. And I'm like, it's April, because I remember it was April, April 1st, and I end. thought it was a joke. And I was like, what? And yeah, it was a shocker, but uh, yeah. The truth of the matter is, by the way, just so that we are, everything is in perspective. Yeah. I had actually handed in my notice already. Oh, okay. 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 Good to know. 
All right, so we've been chatting with Mike Green here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll talk a little bit more with Mike. We are back with more. Uh, Mike Green is still with us here. More alcohol. Uh, more alcohol, of course. And more of this, Teddy. More cheers, yes. Oh, okay, where to go to next? So, um, we talked about Incisive a little bit, but um, of course you're also well known as a speaker. Um, could you possibly give some advice uh, based on you know everything you've learned over the years, both you know because you've actually, in addition to speaking, you've chosen speakers over the years, so... Maybe you could speak a little bit about to um, you know if someone wants to speak at a conference. How would you know? What are your best tips, both from the side of presenting and as the person who decides on you know who who is worthy of being up on stage? Yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, for me as a uh, personally as a as a speaker, uh, there are two things that uh, that occurred in my life that uh, that made a difference. Um, actually, when I was young, I had a, a bit of a stutter that I had to deal with, mm. um, and it was a real challenge to do that. And, uh, and because of that, I don't know was whether it was a conscious thing. I, that's why I wanted to be a DJ and I wanted to be in radio, mm -hmm. and you know, I kind of overcame it some, somewhat, um, although it's still there in the background. Um, and then the other thing is. Uh, because I did go into a broadcast, you know, back in my previous life, I was a radio DJ and I worked in TV. Mm -hmm. And you learn a kind of discipline that goes with that. But I learned a lot about actual communications between people mm -hmm. from working at the BBC. And that's stuck with me ever since. Mm -hmm. So I think if I was to try and give tips to anybody about public speaking, the, the first one is this, and it's the hardest one to drop. Stop trying to be somebody else. When you walk out, the hardest thing is to be yourself. I know that. So people always think before they walk on stage, you know, but when they're learning public speaking, I'm going to sound like so-and-so or so-and-so did that. Don't do anything that anybody else ever did before. Mm -hmm. Walk out and just try and be yourself, and it's very hard. And then you go, well, what if I'm not interesting? Well, go back and take a look at your presentation and think, if I was telling me this story, would I be interested in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the most important thing is uh, there's a radio producer um, that uh, that I worked with uh, way back in the day. He he worked in the um, worked at the BBC at first, and then he and I worked together in uh, independent radio. Uh, and and uh, his name is Brian Lister, and, and he's still around. God bless him. Um, and uh, I, I remember I was doing a radio program one day. And when I finished it, he, uh, I, I had actually had to play a record. This is how old I am, okay? I had to play a record by ABBA. And I, I, I hated ABBA <laughs> then. And the record that I was playing was just like sheer shit kind of thing. <laughs> so on air, I did this thing about blah, blah, blah. And what a terrible record. And I actually took the disc, because it was a vinyl disc. You know, like made a point of cracking it up on air. Oh, and man. Throwing it into the trash can and mm -hmm. going on to play something else. And saying, all you guys out there, I'm sorry should never have played that and then my um, this is going somewhere by the way <laughs> and then my uh, producer called me in after the uh, after the show and uh, he said Mike 
I know your background is like nightclub DJ and live events and that kind of thing. He said, but there's, and, and, and the, the radio show is great. He said, but there's this thing that you keep doing. He said, and it's kind of like all you guys, all you folks out there, you know, that kind of thing. He said, when I'm in my car on my own driving mm -hmm. and you go, all you guys, I go, just me, <laughs> just, just me. Yep. And it kind of transformed the way that I thought about broadcasting because what he was saying is, I was like, you know, I was very successful as an independent radio DJ to beat some of the BBC shows. Mm. But the minute you start talking about hundreds of thousands and millions of people and then try and talk to them one to many, okay, there are people who can be isolated yep. in that. So what he actually taught me to do is just talk one to one. And that's mm. what I do all of the time, even when I'm on stage. Yep. I never talk to an audience. I talk like I'm talking to you, mm -hmm. yeah? Yep. You have to have confidence, it's very difficult. You have to want to do it. But if you actually do have a story to tell, mm -hmm. and then try, you know, you can take influences from people, everybody does, but try when you're uh, out there and speaking and doing a presentation to be yourself telling your story mm -hmm. and don't think for one second that everybody's heard it before and the most important right. thing that I see over and over again is this if you forget to say something when there's a slide up there and kick yourself publicly for not saying it the audience didn't know that you were going to say it right so the only person that knows you forgot to do it or even crack your best joke the only person who knows that you didn't do it is you and if you don't say anything Nobody else knows, you know? Mm-hmm. In terms of picking speakers, mm -hmm. I kind of use that criteria. I like, you know, it's not personally who's the best speaker for me. There are, there are subject matter experts who are not public speakers, who are great at a conference, who should stand up and just, just go through the technical details and get straight to the point, no jokes necessary. Mm -hmm. No, you know, just like, let's get down to that stuff. If it's kind of more like a keynote, to sum up or try and describe, you know, uh, uh, a community, an environment, those kind of things, mm -hmm. then there has to be a story. Yep. Otherwise, it just becomes a rambling nonsense, you know? Yep. There has to be literally just the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yep. And the most important thing is not thinking about, I'll do my funniest thing at the beginning. Think this, how to end, because most of the great presentations that I've seen that have been ruined have always started off with this great gusto and the gets to the middle and then at the end it's a rambling blah 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 because they don't know how to finish or thank the audience or and then usually end up with a and um and well um thank you that's yeah you, know, you need a better ending guy that's it you know yeah excellent so um as a speaker i know every time i i've been lucky enough to hear you speak um that you're really good about um sort of knowing what's coming next I wrote this column for a major marketing publication. And uh, in the column, I wrote a lot about AI in search and why search engines would be using machine learning and why it would be so important. And I didn't think it got the attention that it deserved. And there are a lot of very underwhelmed people looking at me thinking, dude, everybody knows about search and machine learning and AI. The fact is, if you check the date, I actually wrote that 12 years ago, not 12 weeks or 12 months. I wrote it 12 years ago. So what is sort of your process for like, you know, forecasting? How do you stay like so in tune with 
you know, where all the trends are going. Um, because, you know, I've, I've always sort of marveled at that because, you know, I'll hear you talk about something and then two years later, it's like, there it is. Mike was talking about this two years ago. So how, how do you manage to stay on top of stuff like that? It's my magic power. Mm-hmm. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, technology is uh, fascinating for uh, me. Even when I worked in radio and, you know, a bit of television work that I did, I was kind of always fascinated, not about me sitting in a studio being a big deal DJ or something, Sometimes I would just put like, this is, you might not know what this is, a stylus is a thing that goes on the end of an arm that lands on a piece of vinyl, you know. But I just sometimes used to wonder how magic it is that you put this stylus on a piece of vinyl and push a fader up and then people hundreds of miles away can hear this music. It's like, mm -hmm. shit, how does that happen? Right. What about this? I open the microphone and, I, and people hundreds of miles away can hear it and I go, shit, how does that happen? Mm -hmm. So I was always kind of interested in the, how does all of that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to uh, just, here's the great record that I'm playing. That played a part of it. So when I started working in search, even though I had an interest in technology and a bit of a futurist, um, I learned a couple of lessons about um, you know, building websites using HTML, about how the internet worked, and that intrigued me, and that's what led me to, um, to getting so much involved in understanding information retrieval. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll tell you why it's still so relevant at the moment. But that's what got me really involved in understanding information retrieval. So I joined ACM. Well, I didn't join, I had to be invited, and I had to have the credentials to do it. But ACM is the world's largest computing society. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's been around for a long time. But the interesting thing is, inside of ACM, they have a special interest group, a SIG, which is all about IR information retrieval. Mm -hmm. So I've been there for a long time. So I actually do get to see what a lot of the researchers at Google and Facebook and okay. Twitter and mm -hmm. all of the tech, Pinterest, all of the technology companies are working on. A lot of academic work in there, but a lot of commercial work mm -hmm. that goes in and you can see how it can be adapted. So I've never been really, that's why I always say, I don't like to do predictions. As I said before, if I could predict anything, we'd be sitting on a yacht. Right. <laughs> but forecasting, I can look at what's happening in research work in the scientific field, mm -hmm. and then think, how long will it take before that actually happens, before it becomes a thing? Yep. And that's kind of what I do with clients now. Mm -hmm. It's not a case of like, here's what you should do today. We have the, the, you know, the best guys in the world that I think, it, that, that, that I work with at Acronym, but what they always want to know from me is what you're asking. What what do we need to be prepared for when right. we uh, when we move ahead? You know, right. yep. and information retrieval. Because I'd already mentioned why this is so important. When I worked in marketing to begin with, the area that I had the most interest in and spent the most time studying, I'm talking about going to university and well, was actually in consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. Actually looking at consumer behavior. So there is this kind of um, science around consumer psychology. There's a difference between the psychology and the behavior, and I kind of tried to uh, separate some of that out. But it never became more apparent than mm -hmm. search because the fundamental uh, need for a human being, you know, to, to, to satisfy an information need mm -hmm. that eventually leads to a purchase. Okay, information retrieval now and consumer behavior couldn't be any closer than they are, you know? Right. Two things work together. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing I want to touch on a little bit, um, you you wrote probably, I don't know how, 
how big they were at the time, but I, I mean, these are like must reading for me, and I know I just learned a ton from them. So, three I want to talk about new signals to search engines, how search engines work, filthy linking rich. These were, I mean, phenomenal, and I'm gonna definitely include the links to them in the recap post so everyone listening and watching just make sure you read these. Uh, do you want to talk about, you know, any of them, all of them, just a little bit, and how they still, because I think all of these actually still apply today, even though they were written many, many years ago now. Yeah, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just pausing for a moment to remember how old I am. No, no, I, again, that's part of my journey with uh, yeah. understanding information retrieval yep. and giving me a slight edge. Uh, not kind of being better than anybody else, but having a better understanding of that it's not in the HTML, it's not in your JavaScript, it's not in your CSS. Yeah. That's not where it all lives. You know, right. if you get any of that wrong, well, you're a technical dig brain or something. Okay. Yep. If you get that right, that's good. Yep. Now you really have to have relevant content, yep. and it has to have context and those kind of things. You yep. know. So when I wrote how search engines work, I wrote that as um, I, I kind of wrote after the second edition of the book that I wrote on you know. You know, search engine marketing, the essential best practice guide, mm -hmm. sold all over the world. Yep. And people, it is like 350 pages, and people got like about 100 if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back and kind of not simplify it or dumb it down, yeah. but just condense some of that so that people could get a better understanding uh -huh. of how search engines really work. And that just flew out the door yep. because it was easier. Or, and people read a lot more then. It was like a tweet or anything, but it was easier for people to understand. And I've had great feedback on that. Yep. I'll come to the new signals in a minute. Yep. But the filthy linking rich. Yes. That was like a moment for me. Yeah. When I there were a few papers that I was reading at the time, but I'd started looking um, at uh, social network analysis. Yeah, and looking at social networks and the. The, um, the kind of research that had been done mm -hmm. in the past, not that wasn't new. I mean, yeah. actually a lot of social network analysis started during the war when people were spying mm -hmm. on each other. You know, you could go back and track the history. Yeah. So I started looking at network theory, social network analysis, social science, and then began to see more about this thing called the small world theory, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm only six degrees. Yep. from you yep um, and even though people use that expression six degrees from the president of America yep. they didn't really know what it meant however when you connect it to the web and the way that a search engine works can actually be a dangerous thing and I started to realize then he has the great thing about links and he has the bad thing okay first great thing is the more links you get the more links you get yep. the bad thing is the no links you get the no links you get yep. You know? yep. so Filthy Linking Rich, that paper, believe it or not, has been used in so many uh, uh, schools and universities. Yeah. Uh, because I actually started with a family story. I told a story in that. I told a story about me and my father, how he became wealthy, and the more wealthy people that he knew, mm -hmm. the more rich he became. Right. And, right? The more people yep. you know with money, the more money that you get. And so Filthy Linking Rich was kind of the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The more times, the more links you get, the more often you get found at Google. Right. The more often you get found, the more links you get. Yep. The more links you get, the yep. more often you get found. Yep. It was that kind of, yep. you know. It's that whole thing, like if you rank number one on Google, naturally you're gonna get more links versus if you're ranking on page 10. 
you know. So yeah, so yeah. the more exposure you more have, exposure you have the more, there is yeah. the other side. I mean, yep. so so it's so filthy, filthy link in yeah. which was about a mutually enforcing thing. Okay, right. yep. so the more you get, the more you get the, yep. that that kind of thing. Yeah. But then at the same time, from a ranking perspective, and ranking is a science within itself, you yep. know. Right. And if you look at ranking, that uh, now with links, it's a good place to start. Still keep doing that. But the thing is that if you go through this mutually reinforcing thing, by the time you get to number one, the end user has a much stronger signal now than before. Mm -hmm. And if you're up there at number one because you've got more links because people with websites think they can give you a link because they think you're great, what about the X gazillion people that don't have a website and right. can only vote with a click? Yep. Okay, then all of a sudden you start going that way. And don't think I said for one second it's about clicks. End user data is about a pattern. It's not just about the click, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and then um, yeah, just to finish it. So the um, new signals to search engines. I actually managed to sit down with three engineers from three different search engines mm -hmm. um, at an SES talking about the future. Yep. And I'd never heard the term before. They started talking about signals beyond uh, uh, keywords, mm -hmm. beyond link data beyond user behavior and, and in that I was actually talking about what uh, Jenny was asking about before right. maybe is this the best method but they were then also talking about whatever it is a GPS signal whatever it is those kind of things mm -hmm. I, I, out of them all I love them but I still think with new signals yep even though there's some stuff in there that doesn't look like it's so relevant uh -huh. the point of the matter was context yep. who I am where I am what time of day it is you know those kind right. of things yep Okay, uh, next question. So let's we'll move on to a few fun questions. So if you weren't in search or marketing, what would you want to be doing? As Did you career? ever see the original movie called Arthur? The original so, Arthur. Arthur. It is, I believe uh, so. Would, back in the Dudley 80s. Moore? Dudley Moore, yes, yeah. Yes. And he was just a very rich, drunk guy uh -huh. floating around a Rolls Royce. Yep. Yeah, well, I always wanted to be Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be Arthur. <laughs> What would uh, I be doing? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, what's still stuck inside of me, and uh, you can tell sometimes, uh, I love music, so if I wasn't yeah. doing this, I would just be back in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And yep. I'm kind of still keeping a little hand in there, you know. Yeah. So when you say that, probably like doing production or DJing or what would I, be... I kind of still like the storytelling thing, you know. Towards okay. the end of my broadcast career, I was doing mm -hmm. a little bit more about, you know, kind of documentary and news oh, as okay. opposed to just playing... Yep. Uh, playing records yep. and I'm still a big radio fan yeah you know I like uh, uh, video and movies and that kind of thing but there is something about you know I mean we can't get a, a, you can see perhaps a little bit of this you know yep. cruising down here with an open top car yep. and you know one of my favorite bands playing yeah that's it nothing beats you know, that nothing. feeling exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely all right. Um, what's the best piece of advice? Uh, it could be SEO, business, whatever. Best piece of advice that someone ever gave you and who gave it to you? Or where did you pick it up from? Yeah, if it was a I don't even need to pause for that one. My okay. father gave this to me. Okay. My father told me when I was a kid, Yep. never listen to people who give advice because they talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fortunately, he talked more shit than anybody else. So I have received... Uh, advice and abundance and as you know like everybody else yep. some you take on board some that you don't yep. um, but I think um, uh, generally speaking uh, the best piece of advice that I had uh, certainly in the business world more than anything else 
was understanding that when you create a business, because um, I've had a few, you know, in various areas, yep. and a few, it's nice that you create your own domain, but what you're actually doing is creating wealth for other people mm -hmm. and their families. And so, you know, if you're going to do this and create a business, then stop thinking about yourself and how wealthy you're going to be. Mm. Just imagine how you can spread the money and the love around kind of thing, you know? Wow. That probably explains why I'm not a billionaire, you know? Could be. <laughs> that's, that's good I could be a billionaire, though. you don't know. Yeah, it could know. be. <laughs> Maybe he is. <laughs> He's just very humble. <laughs> uh, what's the worst piece of advice uh, about SEO or search that you still hear or that you have heard recently? What do you think people, or, or just generally, what are you, you know, what keeps popping up that, you know, is just so outdated, but people just keep doing it and clinging There was to a old gem it. actually today, and it was part of a thread that you started. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and then, uh, and then, uh, what's his name from SEO Dojo? Uh, oh, David. Yeah, David. David Sorry, Harry, David yes. Harry, yeah. David, David. Harry. <laughs> Hope your leg's better, David, and yeah. everything, by the way. Yeah, da and then David uh, added something two things were going on together maybe I don't know but uh, but I saw that he had posted that somebody asked him about how important this keyword density analysis oh my <laughs> so it was just this morning before I uh, left to come here mm -hmm. I actually posted and David maybe it's the two different things and I'm just conflating them I think I am yep um, but, but I posted this morning that, that uh, people should understand that even though, and there were a couple of guys in there that, that I know who were saying is it TF, IDF, which is term frequency, and first document, document frequency, yep. which is connected to the vector space model and that kind of thing. Uh, is it a part of that? Actually, way back in the day when the internet ran on steam, <laughs> like that early, I'm yep. telling you, there was a publication called Planet Ocean, uh -huh. and they had kind of a book on SEO. It was a Word document that you could get. And they used to su supplement the earnings from that uh, by being an affiliate for a piece of software that this guy called Roberto Grassi in Italy mm -hmm. had written. Yep. Yeah, and I think maybe somebody had asked him uh, to write that. I met Roberto, but he was not a search engine guy. He was a backup software guy. He was a Windows guy. He was, oh. Yeah. But he ended up writing this thing called the Keyword Density, Keyword Density Analyzer app. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate to say it hand on heart, I feel guilty, but I used to sell it and people bought it by the dozen, right? <laughs> to yep. analyze the density of a web page. Yep. But the, the stupidity, I mean the absolute stupidity of this, mm -hmm. and, and I think maybe some people still think of this KDA keyword density thing, yep. the stupidity is if you go look at TFIDF, it's about the entire corpus. Yep. It's not about a page. Right. It's about the entire corpus, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And then that way you can add some weights and it would work. But I was surprised because, as uh, Dave Harry will tell you, I actually posted a link to Roberto Grassi's website and he's still selling it. Oh my gosh. A <laughs> hundred years later, you know? <laughs> so I think the, the worst advice that uh, people are, are giving is about this on-page uh, thing yep. uh, and I've, I, I've, I've often had uh, many discussions and some of them fairly heated about the importance of on page yes, surely when the the World Wide Web was invented um, in HTML with its h1 and h2 h go and take a look at h HTML 1.0 that Tim Berners-Lee invented mm -hmm. it was never intended to do what we think it is doing now 
and yep. most of those tags, you know, for keywords, were about writing scientific papers. That's what right. it was all about, you know? Mm -hmm. There is so much more that we can get about a web document beyond the words on the page and the tags that you add around it, you know? Right. So, yep. I, you know, it sounds crazy still to be saying it. Yep. Just create good content. Yep. And create it for me. Mm -hmm. Or create it for Danny. Yep. Or create it for somebody who wants to read, but don't try and create it for a machine right. that doesn't read. Yep. Machines don't read and they don't understand. That's another thing that it, it often bemuses me, even with my own team sometimes, when I hear them on the phone and they go, So Google understands that you're trying. Google doesn't understand <laughs> anything. It's not a brain. <laughs> <laughs> not even rank brain? Oh, wait. <laughs> so, rank, so rank brain is an interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. So what rank brain is, and, and, and without taking up too much time, yep. okay, do a search at Google for the term learning to rank. Then you'll understand what rank brain is about. Yep. And rank brain is not about, you know, what you think is it ranking documents at Google. There is an entire science between mm -hmm. about learning to rank and how quickly you should do it yep. you know and all the, the the times that it should be done and apples to oranges and those kind of thing anyway mm -hmm. do a search for the term learning to rank then you'll understand what rank brain is okay. if you could go back in time give yourself one piece of advice about anything what would, what would it be Never hang out with Danny Goodwin. That is... It always turns out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I do always get you in trouble, don't I? <laughs> if I could go back and give myself a piece of advice. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you know what? I, because I have this fascination and I'm a futurist. Stop always trying to be the first at everything. That doesn't mean you always win. Mm. You know? Just... Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you get too far ahead of yourself, you lose not just your audience, but lose yourself and what you're doing. So there are things that I've done in life where I look back now and I go, geez, that was 10 years ahead of its time. If only it hadn't been 10 years ahead of its time. <laughs> That's a good one, I like that. Um, what do you hope people in this industry remember about you once you've decided to retire? I have a friend of mine, God bless him, he's gone. Uh, he and I were uh, greatest friends. It was just like a curious thing, Ed Harwood. He and I were friends. Our birthdays were on the same day with the same age. Well, actually, he was three minutes older than me, so I could call him the older, <laughs> the older guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was something that he said back in the day. It was around about the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have this conversation about when we get old and die. You know. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, how would you like to be remembered? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, in the Sultan of Brunei's will. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Me personally, um, I'm not finished. I, I, it's, it's, it's not a good time to ask because yeah. I'm not finished yet. So yeah. I'll tell you when I get through the next thing, you know. I had my uh, uh, 64th birthday uh, recently, so I'm heading into being an old age pensioner. Uh, you asking about travel before I'm trying to give it up I'm actually flying to New Zealand to go and meet my uh, with my kids and grandchildren down mm. there yep uh, but one thing that well maybe this is my advice I actually I'm uh, as old as I am but I just don't believe I'm as old as I am uh -huh. so I'm just gonna keep on trucking until you know it all gives up yep. you know at yep. this age you know things stop working bits fall off but I'm still <laughs> here <laughs> 
Oh my. Oh, that's such a Mike answer. Okay. <laughs> um, for newcomers to the industry who eventually want to become, you know, successful, what do you think the the key to success or for su sustainable success is in this industry? Sustainable success in this industry yeah, and marketing or search. Yeah. I would I would try not to, I, so first of all I would try and get out of search because it doesn't you know as as the panacea yep. as the answer to everything. I'm not saying stop doing search but just try and get your head out of that. Mm -hmm because it's part of that customer journey. And if you're a marketer, not a technology guy, so, well, you know, I might leap ahead and say, read a marketing book, read about consumer psychology, mm -hmm. and then imagine yourself on that journey. So get just out of search. Yeah, we know that things start with search. We know they frequently end with search. What the hell happens in the middle yep. is what we need to uh, try and figure out now. Uh, previously, when, when media was scarce, what does that mean? It was like, when there was only press and radio and television and you had to go and insert yourself into mm -hmm. that, yep. that was like really hard. Yeah. Now, media's in abundance. Yep. It's everywhere, you know. Even my shitty little Twitter account is a media account, right. if you know what I mean. Yep. Yep. So the, the difference that that makes is that we have an interaction that's going on. Mm -hmm. So back in the day when I first came into marketing, marketing and advertising particularly actually had an effect on the consumer. Now it's the other way around. This is what you need to think about. The consumer now has an effect on marketing. That's very true. I like that. Uh, what are you most excited about in search and SEO right now? Is there anything that's really exciting you, something you're digging into? I wish we'd stop calling it SEO to begin with, okay. you know, because you know, I've said many times before, search engine optimization more than 20 years in this industry, I never met anybody who optimized a search engine. <laughs> Not even Matt Cutts, you know, even he yep. didn't. Yep. So it's kind of a crazy... Um, what do you call it when you refer to organic search then? What I'm doing with my own team now is to stop thinking about SEO mm -hmm. and think about CEA, and that's customer experience, uh, sorry, content experience analyst. Okay. and start to think about the content that I need okay. to meet me at every stage of the journey. Right. Um, and stop thinking about in search, if it ranks, if it does all of this kind of thing. Okay. Just try and it's hard to map that customer journey, yep. but just stop thinking about in search that I have to write compelling headlines and text has to be this. Think creatively. You know when we talk about engagement and SEO and how important it is, yep. think about this. If I'm the Weather Channel, if I'm IBM that owns the Weather Channel, and I go and take a look at what's the weather in Fort Lauderdale, 95 degrees, yep. 0.8 of a second, that's a great customer experience. It's a right. great content experience. Yep. Might look about like a bounce to other people, but yep. it was a, so understand what the content experience should be. Mm -hmm. Develop the content around intent. So I think it's good that uh, in what we call the SEO industry, people are actually becoming much more aware of. Going back to something I said before, Maybe a 30 second video is better than a web page. Maybe an image is better than a, just think about the experience, right. the content experience, you yep. know? Yep. That's good. Just a couple more questions. Um, let's see. Was there a time in your career when you were truly struggling and sort of just questioning, you know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Um, Cause I know we've, st we've started this uh, oh, 
it's a weekly column called Friday Focus where we talk about sort of mental health issues and people are, have been sharing, you know, various Yeah, we're doing the same thing at Sampo. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, have you ever had one of those instances where it's just like, um, you know, I'm really down and out and if, if so, like, how did you get through it and what did you learn from that experience? How long have you got? Oh, as long <laughs> as you need. <laughs> Till the battery runs out. Um... <laughs> So life is like hills and valleys all of the time, you know, yeah. how you uh, deal with them. But yeah, there was a period in, uh, in time where I, did get, uh, where I did get very low. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get too deep into all of that because we all have our crisis moments sure. in life. But the one thing that became important to me was the people around me who rely on stuff that I do, not in the sense depend if you don't because that can actually put pressure on you but actually people do rely on you being a part of their life you know yeah. and if you're not there then you're there, there's something missing in their life kind of thing you know yeah so i pretend to think you know that what would happen if anything happened to me and people didn't hear my great jokes right the world would be yeah. a darker place. My wife I say that sincerely. My wife wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. So, yeah. so how do I, how did I get over? How do I get over these things? Um, it's not it's just trying to find that inner strength because I'm actually not a very confident person at all. You know, we have a bit of I a stutter when you get and you know. And, 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 and I'm not, and my wife will yeah. tell you that even sometimes with speaking gigs, yeah. I feel like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up yeah. or whatever. Yep. It's different when you're out there, you know, when you get out and you have to do the job. Yeah. But there is a certain element of don't try and go, it's like the speaking thing. Yeah. Don't try and be somebody else. If this is you and this is what you do, yep. guess what? That's good enough. That's why you're here. Right. So don't try and exceed any of that. Don't try and push yourself. And at the same time, same time, don't keep pushing your head underwater and playing him yourself if you didn't get to the next thing. Yep. What you can do is great, just get to a point where you think you can do it better, you know? Yep. And all of that sounds easy, but it's, uh, it is uh, very, uh, very difficult. Final question, what is next for Mike Green? What are you looking forward to next in life and your career? What I'm looking forward to next is Believe it or not, I've been saying it for a while. I'm working on a book that's coming together now. So in the immediate future, mm -hmm. it's just taken so long to get here. I've mentioned it to, because like social media was this. But we've actually reached a point now where I can take a look at information retrieval, mm -hmm. consumer behavior, machine learning and AI, start to put it together as a marketer and be able to say, these are the things that you should be aware of. Yep. And the working title of that is Get Closer Sooner. And we can do that, you know, using content hmm. to create those brand kind of that kind of brand affinity at an earlier stage. Yep. And that prevents any friction that comes when you get to the transaction okay. kind of thing. So I want to finish the book. Um, but most importantly, I'm going to fly to New Zealand next week and yep. hang out with my uh, children and grandchildren. Excellent. Well, Mike, uh, it's been awesome spending time with you as always. I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, man, I just. You know, I've learned so much from you over the years, so I want to thank you for all that you've done to help me progress in my career. And, you know, you've touched the lives of probably thousands of other 
marketers in this industry, so thank you for all that you've done to uh, help everybody learn and grow. And uh, I hope thank that, you for I, I inviting me, Danny. Yeah. Yeah, Let's so. do it all again. There's plenty more to absolutely. talk about. There is, absolutely. So, all yeah, right. that does it for us. So, cheers. Uh, cheers from Fort Lauderdale. I hope you cheers, guys. Enjoyed.